2021 Journalist of the Year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? She's a front-page contributor to Red State and a broadcast professional who calls life the way she sees it. Yeah! Crank up the radio! Very interesting! She's Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by NASA's Office of Planetary Protection. Unlike most sponsors of this program, the NASA Office of Planetary Protection actually exists. And it's hiring. Established by the Outer Space Treaty of 1967. No, that's not made up. There really is an Outer Space Treaty of 1967. (laughs) Planetary protection officers are tasked with making sure humans don't contaminate planets, moons, and other objects in space. They're also supposed to help prevent any alien microbes from spreading to Earth. However, you and I both know, having watched lots of science fiction movies, what a a planetary protection director really should be doing. (laughs) They should be kicking E.T.'s ass. <laughs> you know what you're, you know if you're qualified for this job. Never mind that advanced degree in physical science, engineering, or mathematics. You have to be the lone scientist who the others won't listen to, who's warning them that that alien signal could be hostile. And then you have to be a gruff special forces trooper who doesn't take orders from anybody. Applications are due by August 14th. <laughs> I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White and Big Dave Perkins behind the board. And guys, it's our first show in a while. It's, it's we're approaching summer. Or I guess you could say the dog days of summer. How are you guys doing? Hot. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, it's kind of hot down here in South Texas, too, but we have a unique uh, a veil of comfort from the sun over us right now in the form of dust from the Sahara Desert, believe it or not. Now, how did you get dust from the Sahara Desert? Well, I guess it's kind of like a dry hurricane. You know how the storms start out on the west coast of Africa coming off the Sahara, and then they travel along the equator for a while, and then they kind of swerve up north sometimes before the east coast and sometimes into the Gulf of Mexico. Well, apparently, this storm got all the way here without ever pulling up enough moisture to be a rainstorm. It's like a a dry hurricane, but it brought a lot of dust from Africa, and they say that it's still settling here. The finer dust that was up in the, you know, 100 to 200,000-foot altitude is kind of dripping down all over South Texas and making everybody sneeze. So I might not have a lot to say today because I'll be blowing my nose through the whole show. Of the Saharan dust. Yeah, I can smell camels. It's really weird. (laughs) <laughs> Dave, I hate to give you grief in your hour of of, uh, of suffering, but I want to point out this is probably one of the most hipster things I've ever heard. <laughs> you heard it on the radio. Have local dust. We've got imported Saharan dust clogging all of our filters. You know, I didn't invent it. It just is what it is. If like it makes me a hipster, I'm in. And I guess I'm wondering why is it triggering your allergies? Because uh, it's different dust. You know, South Texas dust my nose is familiar with. It. This is different dust. And I, I promise you the hint of camel in there is, is doing something. I don't know. And it's not good. <laughs> it's spicier. <laughs> Got a little spice in the mix. All right. Well, that's, yeah, I, I hope your, uh, your sinuses can handle that. I, I understand also someone, not me on this program, uh, is going to a high school reunion this weekend, as I call you out on this, Mickey. <laughs> yes, I am going to a high school reunion this weekend. And you might ask, why would we have a high school reunion in the middle of the summer? Well, the the small town that I am from, Clearfield, Pennsylvania, has a fair this week. Um, and so everyone loves to come home for the fair and to see the fair activities and, more importantly, the fair food. 
which uh, I think I told our listeners I went I made a trip home last last year and got to ride a camel, so it kind of ties into Dave's <laughs> dust story. I'm apparently not allergic to camels, so I'm good. Um, but yes, yeah, so I am going to a high school reunion this weekend, and it's always fascinating because coming from a small town, really in a graduating class the size of mine, everyone kind of knew everyone. You may not have been like best friends with everyone in your class, but at least you knew who they were. And so when we have these reunions and get togethers, it is interesting because for the most part, you may not have seen them in a long time. And certainly Facebook has changed the, the, I guess the feel of a high school reunion. Cause you kind of know what everybody's up to. Mm-hmm. No, if they're on Facebook. That, uh, there are a lot. Uh, it's, it's interesting how much high school reunions carry this cultural weight, right? There's always supposed to be some sort of, Angst or, or unresolved business, Gross Point Blank, Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, uh, Peggy Sue got married, beautiful girls. There's always this theme of some, you know, somebody's going to go back and the, the ugly duckling has become a swan or somebody's going to stand up to the school bully or anything. Um, Mickey, this is your tenure, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to put it like that. <laughs> For those of us who are approaching 20, 25, you're getting further from that. I, I find myself like, you know, on Facebook, you can stay in touch. Sue's having kids who's <clears throat> gotten a lot fatter. Um, hey, and hey, 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 kind of hey. have this, this sense of, like, I don't, I don't know how much I, there's less emotional involvement than say the five year, the 10 year, uh, that sense that you really have a connection to people that you really want to see how everybody turned out. Well, yeah, I think at least for me, it's not even about how everyone turned out so much as just kind of seeing everyone again. And and that could be me because, you know, I'm a people watcher from way back. But I, I, it's always interesting to me to see, you know, some people have grown up. Some people have not grown up. Some people have their entire lives figured out. And then there's people like me who mm. do not. Um, you know, you just go with the flow, um, kind of take it as it comes. And so I, it's always fascinating to me. I graduated with a lot of really um, bright people, people who went into law, people who, you know, now you've got doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, the whole gamut. Um, and it's it's fascinating to me to see, one, because, you know, when you're in high school, it's so focused on that very moment, Right. Everything that's happening from bell to bell. And as you get older and you see, I think the most interesting thing to me has been anyway in previous reunions are the couples. People that ended up together that you would have never thought of back in high school. Now, I have, I have a set of friends who I have known since I was, I think, five or six years old. I was on swim team with them. We went to our very first swim camp together. And they started dating uh, late junior high, early high school. They are still married. Uh, my friend Brian is now running to be a judge in the county. And it's fascinating to me, like, you know, here they are, however blank, blank years later. And they've got, you know, kids and a dog. And, and he's running to be a judge. And it's just, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me because I literally watched them grow up. And yet I don't feel like I grew up with them. Yeah, you just wait till you get to be my age. You go to a high school reunion. My 40th is coming up next year, and the question is going to be, so what did you retire from? <laughs> right. Hey. What are you doing? What are you retiring? Yeah, it's not what are you doing. It's what did you do? You know, I, I kind of am looking at this and, and kind of wondering if I suppose the those initial 
high school reunions. Like there's that sense of, you know, who's thriving out of college, who's got the hot job, who's married, maybe who's had a kid, et cetera, et cetera. And then by the time you start, maybe you hit 40, maybe you go past that, there's that nagging recognition of the fact that, well, everybody just kind of turned into their parents. Spoiler alert, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think to some degree that happens. I think, um, obviously in my case, I hope not. Um, However, I think that the other part of it is, is they, it's interesting to see how much people have changed. Um, one of the most fascinating things to me at, at the last reunion that I was at, uh, Mr. Bias, of course, goes with me. They all look at him like he has some type of superpower. Because, for, for living with you? Or, yes, or... for being married to me for so long, for being with me for so long. They're like, what? what is it about you that worked out? Because I may or may not have had a reputation in high school of not necessarily staying with one person for very long. Um, that really wasn't my thing. And, um, and I feel so, they, so relieved you haven't found any more co-hosts. <laughs> or producers. I love you guys. I would never go anywhere without you too. Um, but, you know, and I, I think they look at me and, and it's fascinating to me how many people say to me, like, you have not changed a bit. And I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Yes, there's that, impl- you know, oh, you don't look any older than 18, which can be nicer. Oh, you haven't matured at all since 18. Right. I'm not sure exactly what they mean by that. Um, outside of the fact that apparently my personality has not changed much over the last however many years. Well, I think we'd we'll be fortunate to discover in our day that uh, all the guys you dated haven't become women in the time that you haven't been seeing. <laughs> no promises on the gay thing, though. Um, I may or may not have had that happen. Dennis uh, became Denise, you know. Yes. <laughs> we, we, and in our, in our class, as of right now that I'm aware of, we haven't had anyone who's made the transition. Although, let's face it, if that were to happen, that would be the best thing that's happened in a, at a Clearfield High School reunion in a really long time. <laughs> that would be fascinating. But it, it is interesting to see, again, like you said, to kind of become their parents. You know, they start having children. Everyone kind of settles into the soccer mom, soccer dad routine. And everyone kind of grows up. And the one thing I think that it makes me think more than anything is – People often talk about, and you you hit on it, nailed it with some of those movies that you mentioned earlier. People always look at the reunion as an opportunity to either, I guess, you know, some people I suppose look at it as an opportunity to show off or an opportunity to vengeance. Closure. Yes, vengeance will be mine. There'll be some type of closure. Being that I'm a person who didn't really, and, and I found this out after my last high school reunion, I apparently paid no attention to anything going on in high school at any time. I didn't understand how people saw me. I didn't really give too much thought about them, apparently. And I was fascinated to hear, because as adults, people are much more comfortable saying things like, well, back in high school, (laughs) you did this, or you said this, and I thought that, and and I'm like, did that happen? Yeah, there's... There's a bit of a a tightrope you're walking by not wanting to be the person who's like, oh, my God, remember back then, you know, this 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 living in the past. Right. You don't want to be the guy who Bruce Springsteen was singing about in glory days. Right. Right. Still wearing the high school jacket and talking about the time they threw the no hitter and and all kind of stuff. And clearly their best days are behind them and they're kind of, you know, spending their days draped in nostalgia. 
But if you you took what I, I think the position I'm kind of leaning in, which is I'd, I'd look back to my fine, you know, fine people back in my old tiny, you know, high school of Metuchen, in New Jersey, um, haven't stayed in touch, uh, don't really feel, I don't know how much I still have in common with those people. Like our lives have just gone in different directions. And I don't feel that much need to be, you know, Facebook provides sufficient, oh, they had a baby, isn't that nice? You know, that, that I don't feel... <laughs> that much emotional investment in how they're doing anymore, whether I like them or not. And I don't know if that's, that comes across as arrogant or that comes across as, well, I'm beyond, you know, I don't want to, I just like probably the process of growing away from a place and not, my parents don't live in my uh, hometown anymore. My, my brother's moved on. I have no connection to my hometown anymore. And so there's that sense of I could go back and you could probably make a good movie about how everything's changed and you can't go home again and all that kind of stuff. Or you could just kind of recognize like that was one chapter of life and, and now you're in this totally other chapter. And I wonder if high school reunions are kind of like they're like flashback scenes, right, of your life. That your your whole life should have that little that Wayne and Garth used to do. Oh, absolutely. Flashback to that. But ultimately your life is lived in the present day. Yes. And I and I think that if if we've learned or if I've learned anything with some of these gatherings and get togethers that I've had with some of my classmates over the years. It's that high school holds very little value outside of, you know, again, some of the friendships that you've made and some of the memories that you've made. And I would certainly advise anyone who currently has high school students to remind them of that. It, as you say, it'll be done before you know it. And in some cases, that'll be quite wonderful. Yeah, you know, for some people, I'm sure high school was like the best time of their lives. For some, I'm sure it was college. Um, but certainly you know there will be some of the old football team there um and and they'll be reliving some of their glory days i'm certain of it although the team wasn't that great when i was there as i recall um but we are coming into football season and the preseason it's just around the corner so we're going to talk about that after the break when the sun breaks out lift up your head and shout it's gonna be a great Kellogg's waits for you, that spirit comes shining through, promising you a great day. Old Spice means quality, said the captain to the bosun, so ask for the package with the ship that sailed the ocean. Here's a fellow who looks and feels like the top of the morning. Mm-hmm. That's because he's starting his day the Old Spice way. Old Spice aftershave lotion. The happiest ending a shave ever had. And it's good for your skin. Makes your face wake up. Tingles it to a clean, fresh feeling. Fresh as the spray of the surf. And you'll really like that good, tangy Old Spice scent. Bright and bracing as an ocean breeze. Now what does all this luxury cost? Just one dollar. And never did a dollar bring you so much. So add spice to your life. Get Old Spice Aftershave Lotion by Schulten. Just one of many famous Old Spice grooming aids for men. That's Old Spice Aftershave Lotion from the laboratories of Schulten. Here's mucus. We'll be up all night. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White along with Jim Garrity. And it is the most wonderful time of the year. And I say this because football is back. We are just days away from our very first preseason football game. And I've got to tell you, Jim, I find myself 
absolutely thrilled by the fact that one, obviously, I'm so over all the political talk in the world that football has returned. Uh, when you say the most wonderful time of year, Mickey, I point out that when you mean what you mean by that is the time between the training camps have opened, but we haven't actually watched any preseason football. Yeah, because we're like, oh, finally, there's there's football news every single day, and oh, let's see who's looking good in camp, and then there's that recognition of, oh, wait, I have to go through four weeks of watching guys who are never going to make the team with names I can't even pronounce, you know, who are who are destined for the practice squad if they're lucky. Uh, make one false start after another in, an, in a three and out, you know, endless battle of punters and things like that. But it gets even worse, right? Usually preseason football is something we suffer, but at least you get a little bit of time. If you don't blink, you can actually watch the starters. No, Mickey, no. The Arizona Cardinals have decided, including coach Bruce Arians, have decided he won't play his starters in the Hall of Fame game, which is traditionally the first game of the year. I believe it's actually, by the time our listeners hear this, it will actually have been played on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, um, they, they're not playing at all. They're usually, you know, some teams get four games. Uh, they have a fifth game. Uh, they, they have a fifth game for those teams that are playing in the special, uh, the special Hall of Fame game. And now they're not even getting any starters? Like, like, why, like, what's the point of it then? This is basically a big organized scrimmage. Why would you go to a like like go to a lot of teams get to get you know, a lot of fans have to buy preseason tickets anyway as yes, part of the season ticket as part package. Of the package? Now you're telling me you're not going to play even play the starters at all? But I okay I this is a really tough conversation and I think I'll be curious to hear what our listeners feedback is on it because obviously there's been discussion about expanding preseason about reducing preseason. But the reality of the situation is if you have been in a situation like we have um, as Steelers fans where you see one of your starters get hurt in preseason. Yeah. It, it makes you hate preseason. Like, I love the idea of going out and being able to get to see them, you know, before the season starts. Anytime I can see my Steelers, I'm happy, which, by the way. I feel like this is a fair note to make. I do feel like NFL Network specifically, although ESPN is almost as guilty, NFL Network might be the worst at teasing Steeler information. They know how obsessed Steeler Nation is. And so at the beginning of every one of these, um, you know, live at training day or training day primetime, they do a little tease like, we're going to be in Pittsburgh talking to Ben Roethlisberger. We're going to be in Pittsburgh talking to James Harrison. And then they don't show it till the last five minutes of the show. Yeah, And I'm convinced they do this just to keep us Steeler fans watching. You know, I'm suddenly recognizing because I'm seeing the thing, God, yeah, what happened? How many people played last year? Pop quiz, Mickey. Who won last year's uh, Hall of Fame game? I don't even know. Dave, any guesses? Uh, Was it the whatever Giants? network aired it. <laughs> Here you go. It was not played between the Green Bay Packers and Indianapolis Colts due to poor field conditions. Uh, they said so they had safety concerns with the condition of the playing surface in Canton. Uh, the field is hard as concrete and a shoddy paint job congealed with the field turf, making the end zones and midfield logo almost tar-like. So people would point out, Jim, if you don't remember the Hall of Fame game being canceled last year, how can you be upset about the starters not playing in this year's game? Fair. I do think this, this merely highlights the, the question of what is the point of the preseason's ex existence um, if there's going to be you know, nothing resembling actual football. And you could almost well, hear the medial collateral ligaments ripping in there. 
Yes. Yes. Well, but yes. the point is, and, and, and I will stand by this, the point of preseason isn't for the starters. The point of preseason is for those that are trying to make the team. And I think it is good specifically for those um, coming up from college and, and those that are, you know, again, trying to earn their spot on the team. This gives them an opportunity when they may not have otherwise gotten it and getting it at game speed. Now, not that preseason is necessarily full game speed, but it, it certainly is better than just seeing them do it at a scrimmage in practice. And so there, there's almost a part of me, you know, I, I love the one preseason game a year, which is usually like the second or third game where you get to see your starters for like a quarter and a half. And you're like, oh, hey, yeah, there's the starters. But I also love the moment when they take them off the field. Mm. The third week of the season is usually the one where the, sometimes the starters play the whole first half, and that's seen as the closest to a dress rehearsal for week one. But, uh, and, of course, the, it's the, the fourth week of the season where nobody wants to have their starter go down in the fourth week. Yes. So almost everybody sits all of their starters in the fourth week of the season. But, so again, now, that gives those people that are trying to make the 53 yeah. roster a chance to play. Yeah, but it, it, you're now ending up with a five-week preseason in which min- you know, two weeks are, are – Two or three weeks are the only ones that really count as anything. And I think it's, you know, in, in all the different ways that uh, the NFL has been, been rubbing its, uh, its fans the wrong way, this, uh, this seems to be one. The other one was, did you I see- always feel the need to remind Redskins fans that preseason games don't count. <laughs> now, I'm sure there are other fans out there that need to have this reminder. But certainly Redskins fans are the worst. And, you know, I'm surrounded by them. But we went 4-0 and in preseason. That's be, fantastic. Good for you. What it means you is let me know what that means. Better than their practice squad. That's, that's right. Uh, and the other problem is you got veterans going three quarters speed, trying not to hurt themselves and trying not to hurt each other, being respectful out there at preseason. And you got young guys trying to make the team going one hundred and ten percent. And the speed differential there is, I think, the primary cause of preseason injuries. Yeah. Again, how do you you know when the starters know that none of this means anything? how can you really create a, a functional equivalent of a football game? And, and two examples of, of you know, prioritization. Um, and one of the inductees to the Hall of Fame this week is Ladinian Tomlinson, the famous running back of the New York Jets. Okay, he played two years with the Jets. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, and, and a thousand uh, years with the Chargers. Yeah, yeah. Chargers fans are now like throwing things at the radio. <laughs> well, I mean, San Diego Chargers fans are throwing things over the team. Back the team's not in San Diego anymore, but... Uh, so Antonio Gates and Philip Rivers played with Ladanian Tomlinson for a lot of years and had planned to go to Canton to attend the Hall of Fame ceremonies. Well, you know, your friend is getting inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. This happens, what, once in a lifetime, twice if you're lucky. Um, and at one point there was a report that the Chargers were discouraging this, saying that, look, this is not okay. This is not uh, uh you know, compatible with the team's practice schedule and things like that. Um, coach later denied it. Now it turns out that Antonio Gates will go to Ohio and quarterback Phillip Rivers will not be making the trip. And, you know, Mickey, am I crazy for thinking any player that wants to go watch one of their teammates get into the Hall of Fame should go do it? Yes. I, I mean, it's, you know, it's the me, first week of the preseason, you know. Well, one, it's the first week of the preseason. And two, as you mentioned, this is this is a big deal. This is the apex of being in the NFL is to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I, I don't know what the future holds for Antonio Gates and for um, Philip Rivers. But what what I do know is that there has to be something very, very special 
to be there in the presence of all of that football greatness and know that one of your teammates, someone you probably helped get there in one form or another, is being inducted in and, and getting that gold jacket. And I, I almost, you know, I, I can see why this was a bad story to come out for the Chargers. Look, let's face it, as you mentioned earlier, it's not like the fans are already thrilled with the organization. And yeah. in this particular case, they have an opportunity to go and support one of their own. And, you know, of course, what's football supposed to be about but teammates and family, <laughs> you know? And so the idea that they would say, oh, well, yeah, he's being inducted in the Hall of Fame, but you can't go. No, this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I feel like the NFL needs to make sure that those opportunities are available for them. And, you know, you, you miss one practice. Well, if you're Philip Rivers or Antonio Gates, that's not going to hurt you. Yeah, again, like if you're if you're the Chargers, probably Tomlinson getting to the Hall of Fame is uh, one of the you know one one of the what probably one of the great things you've had to celebrate, um, other than the team moving. And so, why would you you know why would you want to step on something like that? If you're the Chargers, you probably want to you know uh, put that front and center. Now, I, I suppose the Chargers probably could do worse um, and and sign Colin Kaepernick. Ha! I I still feel like he's going to be a Raven. Oh, that, that sounds like it. And I don't know whether I – so the Ravens owner said he wanted to hear from the fans uh, about the potential decision that they're clearly thinking about. Joe Flacco's back is hurting him. Perhaps by the time listeners hear this, they'll have reached a decision. But I'm, I'm noticing this assessment, which strikes me as pretty fair, Mickey. I want to get what you think. Okay. Somebody pointed out they have no problem with an owner who wants to block a player from his team for his behavior. Mm-hmm. The idea that his, his behavior might bring – uh, dishonor upon the team or alienate a large number of fans. Mm-hmm. Unless it's the owner who protected Ray Rice after he decked his wife. Well, you're also talking about the team that had Ray Lewis. All right, is, yeah, that's a good point. And Ray, and Ray Lewis, Lewis you know, has been exceptionally vocal about, you know, being being opposed to Kaepernick being signed by the Ravens, which again I find hysterical. I I, I, I really somebody as put a the Steelers question fan, through. I knew we were never going to look at him. Yeah, I was going to say, somebody put the question to Ray Lewis, uh, what do you think, you know, in light of Kaepernick's protest, what do you think of injustice? And Ray Lewis said, well, I support it. Um, I'll, I'll wait for the joke for the laughter on that one. Wait, I'll, I support injustice? <laughs> well, when you... Or, Ray Lewis, do you want to weigh in on social, uh, social justice? Well, I'll take a stab at it. Um, <laughs> there you go. There's your line. Like Ravens fans and Ray Lewis fans. No, I think, you know, one, I'm always down for tweaking with the Ravens fans whenever possible. I don't have a problem with that. However, again, you look at the situation. uh, There's been studies done, as you know, over the last couple of weeks that have suggested that his behavior was responsible for the lack of, you know, some of the ratings, some of the attendance at some of these games. And I would only tell you this, I, and, and our listeners who have been paying attention to us talk about this story for well over almost a year now, I will only say this. I still believe that the real reason that he sat down on the bench was because he got benched that game and he was pouting. I still believe the agent thought that positioning it as some type of protest would look better for him. I still believe that ESPN is about 95% responsible for it blowing up into a national issue. 
because they chose to cover that instead of the game, instead of anything else that was going on, and certainly instead of the coach's decision not to play him initially. You know, a lot of that probably sounds reasonable, and I bet a lot of our listeners are nodding along to you, Mickey. I'm just going to point out, listeners, Mickey also thinks OJ didn't do it. But nonetheless, <laughs> just as OJ Simpson is back out, we're going to talk about what's back in right after this. Oh, I got you! Introducing Popeye's all-new comic strip glasses, yours to keep when you buy a 69-cent soft drink. Hello, ladies. Look at your man. Now back to me. Now back at your man. Now back to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if he stopped using ladies' scented body wash and switched to Old Spice, he could smell like he's me. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're on a boat with the man your man could smell like. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it. It's an oyster with two tickets to that thing you love. Look again. The tickets are now diamonds. Anything is possible when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. I'm on a horse. Hi, I'm Mike Wallace. With a sensational shortening discovery for better baking and frying. It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffle. <laughs> Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And folks, oop, you probably have heard, that's the sound of the New York Post website. <laughs> Happily making noise and probably, thankfully, not narrating out loud the story. Uh, you may have noticed the, the New York Post has gotten even more tawdry than its you know, headless body and topless bar days. But they offered us a fascinating insight. To great cultural tens, Mickey, one that I'm sure you'll um, want to have your finger on, so to speak. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just read the beginning of the article, and then I want you to um, uh, tell, me, tell me true or false, basically. Stand up straight, push out your chest, and work that feminine charm as bountiful boobs are back in style. For the last year, those of us blessed with a chest have been slaves to the trend for curbing our curves. Mickey... At the risk of, of implying something about your figure that uh, I, I don't think is uh, indisputable, do you feel like you've been slaves to the trend for curbing your curves? I believe the title or the subtitle was Boobs Are Back. Yes, in and a big way. In a big boob, way. Not just, boob, you know. Yeah. Boobs are back in a big way. First, I want to begin by saying I had no idea they were out. Yeah, me neither. I, boobs have always kind of been in, in my world. Everywhere I looked, now, I saw them. I was, I was happy the whole time. There you go. However, the fashion world has been unkind to us, those of us who have been blessed with bosoms over the years. It, the, the fashion world has been unkind with some of the necklines that they've created, some of, some of the other styles that they've developed. You know, those of us who have been blessed with an abundance of boobs, if you will, have not always been considered the height of fashion. If you look at a lot of the runways and things, um, and, and even in the fashion magazines, a lot of these women are very small-chested and because the clothes look better on them. Okay, I was going to observe that uh, I, I had long suspected, I mean, we, probably the, the epitome of the, the um, uh, beanpole, for lack of a better term, uh, uh, physique was Kate Moss and those old... Um, uh, was it uh, was it Christian Dior ads or guests or whatever? What was go the, back uh, to what? the 60s. It started with Twiggy. Yes. Go, go, it goes back to Twiggy. But there was one where she was doing these black and white uh, uh, perfume commercials. 
that I believe David Spade compared to Schindler's List. Um, <laughs> she really looked emaciated in those. And it just seemed, you know, a lot of people said this is negative body images or something like that. Now, I look at that, Mickey, and say, now, I can't speak for the entire male half of the species. But I don't think it's hard to point out that generally there are quite a few of us with, with an X and a Y chromosome who like things, who like women curvaceous. And I, the idea that women would say, oh, no, I can't look like that. You know, no, no, I've got to look like a 12-year-old boy as much as possible. I, I just don't buy I, – I, so my suspicion was is that this was some sort of um, – some some fashion director was like speaking out – thinking out loud or something. And a, a trend started by accident. That's the only way I can explain the idea that people would want the, the you know, emaciated look compared to uh, – It's because they Goya want painting. them to be human hangers. I mean, is that what it is? They, yes, you know. it's all about the clothing. When 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 something is on the runway, it's a great deal easier to dress someone who is a size zero or a size two with no chest and no curves, and get that designer look to appear exactly the way the designer had imagined it. They're a blank canvas. If you've got curves involved, then they have to adjust to that accordingly. And quite frankly, as a, as a curvy girl, I will tell you straight up, there are a lot of things I look at and I see, I'm like, oh, that is super cute. No one should ever wear that, especially mm -hmm. me. Um, because there are just certain things that obviously do not lend themselves well to boobs. But the idea that cleavage was out, um, I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, that that's really what they were looking at. There were so many like high neck lines and and specifically necklines that would cover all of your chest. And for for me, you know, I have cleavage in a turtleneck. So <laughs> it's not something that... That's a good line. We're gonna, we're gonna... It's a little hard to imagine, too. I'm thinking about bringing a camera when I, <laughs> when I get to see you next year. <laughs> so Yeah, there you go. Um, but it, it's just one of those things where, for me, it was never an option. It wasn't like, oh, well, I'll just take my boobs off this season. <laughs> And wear the things that, you know, are certainly in and whatnot. Um, I, I've always had to make adjustments not to get the uniboob look going across the front. Carrie Fisher strapped hers down to wear that white robe in Star Wars, she said. And then she looked pretty good. I mean, it is doable. It is doable. You can strap them down. Um, I was just never one to, you know, hide my gifts, if you will. Glad to hear it. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I they're not just gifts for you, Mickey. No, they're the gift that keeps on giving, and I feel like I could share them with the world. Um, and, and that's just me, however. And I know that there are a lot of big-breasted women that are, you know, they, they hate their boobs. They, they wish that they had smaller boobs. And certainly there are days, don't get me wrong, that I wish that I could fit into that cute little top that, you know, someone like a Kate Moss or someone else who is, you know, entirely flat-chested can get into. There are moments, but for the most part, I'm good with it. I was um, going to say, never has, has negative female body image meant so much to men as when you say that you, there are women who hate their boobs. <laughs> Don't hate them, ladies. No, they're, you are beautiful and wonderful just the way you are. Don't let some crazy fashion magazine. You are beautiful just the way you are. That's you know, right. This, Don't this, go changing to try yeah, so to I, please I, I, me. <laughs> so here's the next thing. So at any point, do, do you know, like, Flabby men come in, it come into style, or or you know, do, no. do men's height changes? Didn't or, we have a dad bod thing going a few years ago? I was just gonna say that, Dave. We did have that little moment for the dad bod, but it's I a think little that blip. Went away. I think it had to do with the release of a movie, but I forgot which movie. 
Yeah, and I, and that kind of went away. For women, you know, and that's just the way things are. I don't consider this in any way, shape, or form sexism or um, or or anything that, that should be viewed as a negative. What you're going to find now that boobs are back, according to the New York Post, um, is that, you know, there are probably small-breasted women who are like, wait a minute. That's right. Yeah, I only had my moment. What, yeah, what, like, what, or, or more moment. likely, wait, when were, when were they out of style? So... <laughs> A, a question, you know, somebody made the assertion that women dress for the approval of other women, not for men. Uh, Mickey, true or false? Speaking on behalf of your entire gender. Mm-hmm. True. 100% true. Um, I, 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 it's funny. I actually had a conversation with someone earlier this week um, who was riding with um, a, a manager from their company, a large corporation. And in the conversation, she explained that this time she would be dealing with someone from upper management who was a female. Mm-hmm. So she went to great lengths to straighten her hair, make sure the makeup was done right, had the right outfit on, bought new shoes, because she knew that the woman would pay attention and to judge it. judge her harder than the men would. Yeah. Yes, whereas <laughs> if she had been traveling with a man, he wouldn't have even noticed. I think wow. I've solved the mystery, though, guys. I, I put things together in my head. The reason boobs are back and clothes for flat-chested women are no longer fashionable is because they're being put on the male models this year. Think about yes. it. How many yes. transgender modeling sessions do you find, you know, on Facebook or Twitter? With guys walking along wearing skirts and and uh, man buns. And I mean, the the women's clothes are starting to be worn by the men. And this is a new thing. I think this might be why the flat-chested women are not going to be the big sellers of fashions because the men are selling the women's fashions for them this year. Well, that's certainly true. But, you know, never forget the caftan. Um, and, or the and, moo-moo. And the, the caftan and the men, you know, look, men have been wearing dresses for thousands of years. It, it's just the way of the world. However, I don't necessarily, I, I don't know that it has anything to do with that. I think it has more to do with, one, the style changes, the trend changes. We've had a big push in the last couple of years for these so-called plus-size models. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, you know, they're, they look more like real women, which is true, except for the fact that they insist on referring to women who are like a size 12 as a plus size model. Yeah. I, I was going to say the idea, idea shopping in the store and you realize they've stopped making anything in your size. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's a little bit of cultural shaming and, uh, I'm, I'm tired of living in this, you know, binocentric, uh, society. But really, it's kind of, or, or, you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's that or, you know, people who have seen me know that I'm not small. Um, you know, shirt sizes, shoulder sizes, arm length. Apparently, you just there's nothing like shopping in a department store to make you feel like you have a freakish body and no one should ever look like you. And it's kind of this, this you know, um, this, this strange, uh, this idea um, that on the one hand, the fashion industry is so celebrated. On the other hand, it probably does more to give people a sense that they're not okay the way they are than any other industry in the world. Oh, without a doubt. I have friends who buy things off the rack and have every single piece of, of items um, tailored. And I realize they are some of the best-dressed people I know. Even though they obviously go and they buy it off the rack, they still have it tailored to fit them because, let's face it, the sizes that they make for people aren't consistent across the board. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're looking or if you look around, you know, at an airport, <laughs> look around walking down the street, people come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes, 
And then you go to the Gap or, or any other kind of store in the mall, and you look at it, and it looks like they've got the clothes in, like, three. Yes. <laughs> You're like, wait a second. If is- you are not one of the three sizes that we have with this together, then it's no good for you. I did want to mention real quickly, though, um, because we were on boobs this particular session, um, that I do want our listeners to be careful because the Museum of Sex has a bouncy boob house. And apparently it can be quite dangerous. Think of a bounce house that you have for your children. Mm. Only instead of balloons and balls, they're just big, giant boobs. And you need to be careful because if, according to this, if you're bouncing between the two boobs, sometimes you cannot bounce back up. <laughs> Nor would you, you know, want to for any reasonable point length out of time. The New York Post has really, you know, because like, how would you like to be, you know, the White House correspondent for the New York, for the New York Post? And you're writing something about, you know, government or, or you know, the Iraq, the, the, the Syria civil war or something like that. And opposite that is safety warning issued for Museum of Sex Bounce House. <laughs> uh, although here's where I feel the need that I would like interject the joke that perhaps boobs are back in a big way because of what we see in the White House. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're writing about boobs all over that the place in the past. Stuff. Yes. Ignore the warning at your own peril, men. Three middle-aged men died smiling today at the bouncy boob house. <laughs> Maybe we could do a field trip to the bouncy boob house. <laughs> can have a wall of, of fame with the heroes who went in and never came out. <laughs> All right, this, this has gotten out of control. Let's class this up. Let's talk about a TV show with Paula Patton and see if uh, the Blurred Lions guy shows up. We'll be right back after this. Hey, hey! You can feel uneasy about your bathroom. The best fresh ingredients are what make Betty Crocker potato dishes taste so good. Marsha, what happened? Peter hit me in the nose with a football. I can't go to the dance like this. Well, I'm sure it was an accident, sweetheart. An eye for an eye. That's what Dad always says. I never said that, honey. Shut up! Time to teach Peter a lesson. Marsha, eat a Snickers. Why? You get a little hostile when you're hungry. Better? Better. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Jan, this isn't about you. <laughs> it never is. <laughs> Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey show. I have been obsessed, listeners, with a brand new show on ABC. It is one of those short summer series. It's called Somewhere Between, and it stars Paula Patton, uh, wife of, 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 excuse me, ex-wife of Robin Thicke, the Blurred Lines guy, as Jim Garrity likes to call him. And it's gotten me thinking, not just about this show, because I do, so far, I'm just a few shows and I do recommend it up until this point. But of course, you never know how the, what direction these are going to take. But it has gotten me thinking a little bit about these kind of short summer series that some of the mm. broadcast networks put out where they're able to tell a story in six or eight weeks instead of six or eight seasons. And I find myself much more inclined to tune in, and I'm willing to risk that time investment. No, I, I think you're right. In fact, it, it's interesting how summer has turned into the season for these ideas of limited series or, or self-contained stories. I will point out that there's one exception of something that seemed and really felt like it was going to be one of those um, Self-contained stories, Mickey. We've discussed this in the program before. The CBS program Zoo, 
which was designed, I had thought, to give uh, viewers phobias about small, cuddly animals. Um, because this, as you'll recall, was about the virus making the world's uh, animals turn ferocious and dangerous. So every, every couple of, of episodes, they'd be like, look out, squirrels, um, or, or look out for that panda, you know, or something like that. Um, now they're dealing with hybrid animals and the entire world is infertile for some reason and all that stuff. And I really wish they could go back to the good old days of, look out, ladybugs. Yes, yes. Well, see, that's a case of it, in my opinion, of them taking it too far. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the original summer series tryouts that I recall um, becoming a hit was Survivor. Survivor was originally a midsummer pickup show where they had, you know, they didn't want to be running reruns. They had this reality show they wanted to put out there. And of course, it became a massive hit and, and took on a life of its own. But with Survivor, every series and every season is different. You've got different people, you're on a different island, you've got different challenges, things like that going on. With some of these shorter stories being, and that's really what I think a lot of these are, some of them are novellas, um, some of them are short stories, some are just screenplays, being turned into a short summer series. Again, the time investment for a viewer like myself, I I look at it and think, okay, I'm going to get to start to finish over the summer or or over the six to eight week run that it has, and I'm going to get a complete story. Much like, you know, sometimes HBO will do with a series. But I remember one a few years ago that I watched called Flash Forward. Ah, yes. Wonderful concept, terrible execution. Yes, it went really well to the very end. But that was was not a summer series. That was a fall series uh, that within a couple of episodes, they they very much had figured out they they could not uh, adequately explain it. It was kind of turning into the, the sort of thing where you introduce a mystery and then you realize that if you solve the mystery, you've ended the show. Yes. Not that that's been on my mind lately. Now let me let me let me backtrack a bit just for so what are you enjoying about Paula Patton and or this confusingly named series, Mickey? Uh, what makes it unique and special and the sort of thing that people should uh, uh, kill a few summer nights on? Okay. Well, first of all, uh, it's really interesting to me because Paula Patton is almost unrecognizable. In the first few scenes. Um, And I don't know if that was done intentionally or if it's just the development of the character. But the idea is that here is a woman, and I'm going to try not to give too much away, um, but it's a suspense. There are serial killers involved. There's a mystery. Well, they had you right there. Oh, yeah. They they had me from the get on that. However, one of the more interesting things about it and what the basis of this story is, is that someone very near and dear to her gets killed by the serial killer in the very first episode. And she is just overcome with grief. And she takes herself out to a lake and she puts rocks in her pockets and she jumps off. into the lake and so we see her basically committing suicide and along with her is another character who becomes much more important later on who also got dumped into that very same lake so you see them going into the lake in despair and at the very end of the episode she pops up out of the lake Mm. and she's on the land and she goes back to her apartment And her daughter is still alive. And she realizes it's eight days prior to when she went into the lake. They have an opportunity to kind of reset time and history. There's, like I said, a little bit of, obviously a lot of supernatural twistings that are going on in here. Mm 
Well, just that that you know, even if it's uh, turns time travel or something is turning into a cliche. Look, all of a sudden you've got a character in a very desperate situation, right? We know exactly what that character has to do, and we can relate to that character. That clear, clearly your character now has a a, a strong motivation. Um, and yet, you know, I assume she doesn't know who the serial killer is and still needs to figure out some way to stop the serial killer and things Correct. like that. So yes. the stakes are as high as they possibly can get. Yes. One of the things we've talked about previously on the show is that there are shows that come out and they put together a premise where the stakes just don't feel high enough. Mm-hmm. In this case, they could not be higher. We're talking about her daughter. We're talking about her family. We've got a couple different families intertwined within the story. And you have, you know, a, an unsolved murder off to one side. You've got a serial killer in the front. And she recognizes and is told by um, by a woman who we find out later may not be alive anymore. Um, although she certainly appeared alive when she spoke to her. Mm-hmm. That it's her job to fight fate. And that the only way to fight fate is to do so head on. And so she can't run from it. She, she, you know, she can't take her daughter and run away from it. That's not an option. She has to actually address the problems as they come up in this eight-day span. And she's trying to do it before she knows what happens to her daughter. See, I was going to say, I feel like I've seen various pieces of this in, in other places. But it's still interesting to see how it would be done. Because, you, like I said, you've definitely got this. Um, extraordinarily, you know, tense uh, setup there. Uh, that if your character is likable, now the next question is whether they run around and start, you know, trying to tell people this. No, no, I, re- I tried to kill myself a bunch of days ago. And no, why won't anyone believe me? You know, <clears throat> at some point, I just want a character to stop. We understand that something un- unbelievable has happened. We don't want to watch the character spending enormous amount of time sitting around saying, "How can this be happening?" Look, we we saw in the trailer the shows about time travel. Get, you, get over it. Get used to it. <laughs> get to the business of trying to stop the serial killer. Yes, and that's probably one of the best parts of the show is that she actually has one other character that did this with her, that did the time-space continuum leap. And so she has one person that she's able to connect with, and he's able to help her, and they're kind of working as a team mm-hmm. because they're the only ones who have the pre-existing memories. And so there's not a great deal of the, oh, you have to understand what's happening to anybody. No. Instead, she is on a mission, and he is right there with her. So it's it's very – I mean, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of drama. But it's a surprising amount of action for the type of show that it is. Uh, she, you know, she's a reporter. Her husband's the DA. She's working with the former cop. So there's a lot of different things and different angles coming into play. My question is, will they be able to deliver something, one, that makes sense when it all shakes out, mm-hmm. and two, something that's not going to leave me irritated with the the ending of the story? Like, if we get this do-over, right? Because that's the key with do-overs. If you get this kind of time do-over, how much are you actually able to change? Yeah, the idea, and also a lot of time travel shows will do that kind of uh, uh, that kind of explanation. There are certain things about history that cannot be changed, such as you know those those shows that you loved or the shows that you hated that everybody else around you seemed to love. We will explore that annoying phenomenon right after this. Chicken licking. I'd like. We're closed, lady. My cousin's dropped in. 
Lady, I'm mopping up. What are you mopping with? What am I mopping with? What kind of cleanup? A liquid. Mix some spick and span. Spick and span? Want to get home? It'll put power in the water. Go over where you just cleaned. But it's clean. Look, spick and span wouldn't leave all that greasy dirt. Hey, thanks, lady. If there's anything I could ever do for you... I have these cousins who dropped in. Spick and span. Gets the dirt liquid cleaners leave behind. 98, 99, 100. 100 combs every day, each armpit, each strand of hair gets individual attention. You know why? Because I care. That's why I use this, Old Spice Pro Strength. The finest street-legal antiperspirant you can get outside of Mexico that's not poisonous. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. You know, finally... We have restarted the Trivial Tuesday contest. That's the <laughs> hashtag you should be looking for with Trivial, not Trivia, Trivial Tuesday. Uh, that Mickey asked a, a really terrific question. The Pop Culture Watch tells us what everyone is watching and listening to and everyone loves it. What do you like or what, do you can't, what is it that you can't stand that for some reason everyone else in the universe seems to like? Uh, I made a couple of good uh, nominations here. Uh, I, I see that uh, Game of Thrones was one of the early uh, picks. Uh, Long-time listeners will know I used to be into it. Then it kind of got kind of dark and dreary and too much naked beheading and stuff. And it really do- – I will, I will give credit to where it's due. Um, when you're not watching Game of Thrones, it just feels like everyone around you is obsessing about, like, astrology or something like that. There's this thing that's really important to them that you just don't care that some character died and, you know, whatever. Well, it, I, of course, am on board with this Game of Thrones thing simply because I watched a few episodes and I just couldn't get into it, although people to this day are still telling me, there's still time. There's still time. <laughs> because those that are into Game of Thrones, I thought that was a great answer for those who put that out because it is everywhere it's even showing up in kind of like parody style commercials now yeah they said Uh, that about firefly too there's still time mm -hmm. (laughs) and maybe firefly on hbo there would have been a lot more time um (laughs) but you know i'm understanding now that they're gonna have game of thrones spinoffs and now i'm starting to think like as someone who's never watched it doesn't buy into the hype i'm like damn it do i need to start watching this yeah, they'll, they'll have that nagging sense that everyone around you is so shocked by something that can you jump in and will it seem shocking to you and all that stuff. A um, couple of, of one other suggestion that I really liked was came from Peter Daniels who said, apparently Flo from Progressive Auto Insurance is funny because they keep putting her in commercials. No, no, it's worse than that. If you remember a couple of while ago, they were, a couple of, of maybe a year or two ago, they did one in which Flo was playing all the members of her family. Oh, yeah, at the yes. campsite. This is what uh-huh. Eddie Murphy did in, in Nutty Professor. And Eddie <laughs> Murphy is considered one of the great comedians of all time. Like, what, what is, is Flo is this great thespian that we need to see her chameleon-like abilities to, no. to change from character to character? You know, I support this man as well. And I would also say this to Progressive. Understand this. I will never give you money. I will never become a client because it seems to me that you would just turn around and use that money to produce more of those commercials. <laughs> oh, you could give it to the little gecko who will show up absolutely everywhere. <laughs> I always love the radio announcer commercials the best. In a world where your cars are underwater. In a world where both of our cars were totally underwater. No, no, I, some of the other good ones I saw in here, The Walking Dead. Um, yeah, certainly yeah. that is a that is a phenomenon that if either you're on board or you're not. Another one was House of Cards. 
us. Yeah. Anything on Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, Netflix, you're just like you're totally, you know, it's passing you by. It's going. It's it's as if it's it's being broadcast in some other country or something. I would have to suggest that my absolute favorite, however, was uh, from John Oakey, and he said Tom Brady. Ugh, like, and I died because like of course, why you, you're just sick of him, or well, I died because someone responded and said that's not a good answer because everybody hates Tom Brady. Ah. <laughs> and yeah. I thought, I thought that was a good one. Um, there are a lot of people who didn't like talent shows, don't like reality TV, uh, American Idol. So you think you can dance? America's Got Talent. I'll just say this in advance: I don't like the new emoji. TV series that they're going to make out of this movie that I also don't like. <laughs> wow, Dave getting ahead of the curve. And yes, that does seem pretty plausible. You are a trendsetter, but you're also probably 100% right. No um, Heather, Heather V gave us the answer. It's a tie between the Kardashians and pumpkin spice anything. <laughs> In other words, they really don't like some of the biggest topics here on the Mickey show. Um, you say overexposure can make any good idea become insufferable. So that, that's worth worth noting in and of itself. I'm trying to think of like of the of the categories of, of people things people had said that were um, just like what what is the appeal there? Uh, my sons are really into fidget spinners. I don't get it. They just reinvented ta- ta- a top and put three on them, and, and somehow the fact that it's a band has made it. Uh, uh, really cool. Um, some of our listeners put fidget spinners out there as yeah. well. Um, some people, some of the men, surprisingly, went after yoga pants. Really? Yes, they don't like yoga pants. Wearing like, them? Wearing people? <laughs> they don't people like some of the people way. who are wearing yoga pants. Uh, it's a Walmart thing. Uh, well. You will take my yoga pants from my cold, dead legs. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I was interested, too. There was a lot of things on here. Um, some people put Facebook. Some people put selfies. Some people put social media in general, which, of course, I thought was fascinating responsing on Twitter, saying that you don't like social media, considering <laughs> what we were talking about. I bet that went viral. <laughs> I mean, uh, understandable. Um, I, I also would kind of point out that I think that uh, – um, I, I think for the, if you want to say if you want to say oh I used to enjoy Twitter but I don't enjoy it anymore eh, some of us understand that yeah um, any reality show that was enjoyable for a while like like some of this is maybe you you get into it before everyone else does a little bit of the hipster phenomenon right mm. you were into it before it was cool and then it becomes cool and then all of a sudden you're not so into it anymore <laughs> or as in the Game of Thrones it's the Mickey phenomenon of everyone else is into it so I've already heard so much about it I don't think I can bring myself to watch it yeah there you go. Maybe the, the idea, maybe the, everybody else liking it makes it unlikable. Oh, super hipster. Yeah. <laughs> super hipster. Maybe meta hipster there. <laughs> and guys, we have come to the end of yet another hour. Um, it goes by so quickly, listeners. Um, and we do look forward to doing this with you every single week. You can find us on soundcloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. Look us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. And, of course, hit us up on Twitter at any time. I'm at Bias Girl. He's at Jim Garrity. And, of course, you can find David at Big Dave P. I am Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. And you have been listening to the one, the only Jim and Mickey show. And afterwards, that is directly following, I want to talk to you about something even bigger. Namely, you've said that your breasts seem like public property in a way. (laughs) 
Well, I make jokes about that, too, and I make more jokes about them than anybody else, I guess. Darling, is that you? Because, like I say, I've laid them out there for all the world to, to see, enjoy, or to make comment on one way or the other. If I have any magic at all, I think it's because I am so totally real and look so totally artificial. Why'd you come in here looking like that in your cowboy boots and your painted on jeans? All decked out like a cowboy's dream. Why'd you come in here looking like that? You want me to start now? Where's Donna?